Welcome back to the podcast and to a new series of episodes that will lead us through the last few hours of Jesus' life as recorded by the gospel writer John. Over the next several weeks, we'll be diving deep into John chapters 13 through 17, and we look forward to having you join us. If you'd like more information about the Traders Point Church of Christ, please visit our website at traderspointchurch.org, and you can find us on Facebook and YouTube as well. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's conversation. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining us again this week. We are concluding our study today uh, that began several months ago at this point, as we've studied through John chapters 13 through 17 initially, uh, the time that Jesus spent with his apostles, talking to them and praying to his Father. And then last week, we kind of started a two-part epilogue of, of kind of wrapping up this study, uh, looking at John chapters 18 and 19. So we concluded with the end of chapter 18 last week, and we're going to pick up in chapter 19 today. So this will be the last episode uh, in this series that we've been doing. Uh, I've really enjoyed this study. It's been really impactful for me. And and now, if, if maybe you're just picking up the podcast now and listening to it for the first time, all of those episodes are available. They're not very long, and it'd be a great way to kind of study your way through this portion of Jesus's life as he prepared his disciples for his death. So, Jeremy, as we begin chapter 19, maybe do just a, a little bit of recap and set the stage for us a little bit. Obviously, we're going to pick up uh, here as Jesus is about to be crucified. Uh, so maybe kind of set the stage for us so that we can jump into this study of chapter 19. Yeah, throughout this whole process, we've talked a lot about timing, a lot. And even though we could, uh, to begin this recap, we'll go all the way back to John chapter 13, which is, you know, six or seven chapters ago, it's hours ago from this moment. And it is just, it's so important when you're studying this section of the Gospel of John to keep that in the very front of your mind. It just has to be there to have that understanding that through John chapters uh, 13 and 17, it is Jesus with his apostles. They are enjoying a meal together. There is teaching that takes place. There are tears that are shed. There is difficult teaching that happens. It is an emotional up and down conversation that Jesus has with his closest of followers. And all of it centered around the fact that what's going to happen now in John chapter 19 is, is going to happen. And it, certainly Jesus was fully aware of that. And when that conversation concludes, as he prays to his father there in John chapter 17, as he, he, he leaves and they go into the garden and he is ultimately arrested, as we talked about last week in John chapter 18, he's paraded uh, from one ruler to the next, it ends up with Pilate. Uh, who really is the one with the power, the Jews knowing this, to to kill Jesus, and Pilate simply not wanting to do that. We saw in John chapter 18 uh, that Pilate is doing everything that he can, that he could come up with, to still appease the Jews in some way, but yet not kill this man who he deems is innocent. And, you know, at the end of chapter 18, he he has a, a a plan where you know, I've got to release a prisoner, and so he brings forth this the worst of the worst, and Barabbas and Jesus, who was a, a good guy, and the people want Barabbas, and so Pilate is still stuck with Jesus. And, and chapter 19 begins, as we said, kind of it, it flips the switch, if you will, 
where Jesus is dealing with a, a heavily emotional time that he hasn't slept. He hasn't slept through all of this and heavy trauma emotionally that now the physical trauma of his beatings and his crucifixion uh, that we often uh, make reference to really begin here in John chapter 19. Yeah, and, and you mentioned it, and actually I think you mentioned it last week as we were wrapping up that episode, and, and just now, at the beginning of chapter 19, Pilate is still trying to figure out a way to not have to kill this guy. Yeah, and He doesn't particularly want to deal with this at all, but it has been thrown in his lap, and he is the one who holds the authority but as you mentioned, as he's talked to Jesus, he doesn't find any fault in him. And so at the beginning of chapter 19, it seems as if his approach is, let me humiliate this guy and beat this guy, and hopefully that will satisfy these Jews. And now ultimately it doesn't, but this is still Pilate's attempt to do whatever he could to satisfy the Jews in this moment, to kind of quell some of the chaos that is churning amongst the Jews, while also not killing someone who he deems innocent. So you can see the difficult position that Pilate's in. I mean, his role is to keep the peace in Jerusalem. I mean, that's his, his role is to keep the peace with the Jews and not, not let chaos break out, make sure they're still paying their taxes to Rome, and make sure everything just goes smoothly. That's his, that's his role. And, and he sees this mob forming of Jews who want this guy killed, well, he can't just ignore it. He's got to do something to make sure this doesn't get out of hand. And so you can see the steps he's taking to try and keep these people under control while still not violating his conscience and killing someone who he sees as innocent. So he's in a tough spot. Now, that doesn't excuse what he does, but but he is in a tough spot, and he continues to try and find a way on multiple occasions to let Jesus go, and this way he's trying to see, well, maybe I can just hurt him enough and embarrass him enough that that'll satisfy him. Unfortunately, it doesn't. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I mean, as as Pilate is doing everything he can to, you know, kind of appease the people and let Jesus go, you, you still are getting the picture that, that, listen, Pilate is a terrible person. I mean, mm-hmm. he just is. He is a terrible, terrible person. And he, he's completely consumed about himself. I mean, yeah. he is only concerned about himself here. He's not concerned necessarily about the Jews and what they want, per se. He certainly isn't concerned with Jesus and what he wants. And you really see that ramping up in the beginning of John chapter 19, where, you know, verse 1, Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And I'm mean, listen, we don't want to take the time to, you know, get into, you know, script, but this is not a, you know, a ruler on the back of the hand, Mm -hmm. you know, scenario. This was a high level punishment in and of itself. This is a, uh, it is a high level punishment that was already taking place. And, and oftentimes people would be killed even from scourging that this put physical, the physical toll that it took. And, and he does that. And he does that. He, as you say, humiliates him with a robe and a, and a crown of thorns that he puts on. But then you have in verse 4, Pilate, he goes out and says, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I've found no fault. I've found it. Now, I've beaten mm-hmm. you know, the living daylights out of him, <laughs> and I have humiliated yeah. him, and I've allowed you in verse 3 to beat on him yourselves. Mm-hmm. But I think he's an innocent guy. Well, I mean, what what are we doing? Yeah. This innocent guy has now just been pummeled because Pilate, you know, 
uh, he's trying to save himself in yeah. some way. And we see that ultimately it doesn't make a difference if Pilate thinks he's innocent or not. He looks to save himself, mm-hmm. and he puts this innocent guy on a cross and kills him. And I don't think he feels ultimately sorry about it because he is concerned about himself. But now we are beginning to see the physical toll that this is going to take on Jesus. And I think maybe it begins to you know, make some sense where crucifixion in and of itself, which was really destined to be a drawn-out, long, painful death, that it moves very quickly for mm-hmm. Jesus on the cross. It does. And you know, just to kind of put a bow on the, the Pilate conversation, you're 100% right. He is all about himself. He has a job. Yeah. Keep the peace. Don't let the Jews get out of hand. Make sure the money keeps flowing. That's his job. And he's been given that authority by Rome. He doesn't care one bit about Jesus. He cares about himself, and therefore he's going to do what he has to do to maintain peace and make sure he remains in charge of this area. And so as difficult of a position as he finds himself in, there is no doubt who he is focused on, and it is himself and in his best interest. And ultimately, as we see, he continues. Uh, there's, a, there's a bit of dialogue between he and Jesus uh, in verse 10. You know, Pilate kind of asks Jesus, after all this has happened, how come you're not talking to me? You know, you know I'm the one that holds your fate in my hands, right? You're not, you're not saying anything to me. I could release you. I could crucify you. And, and Jesus... This is kind of a slap in the face to Pilate as he tells him, you'd have no power at all against me unless it's been given to you from above. And and so Jesus, uh, we talked about this last week, how he just remains in such amazing control during this whole process. And so this is after being scourged, as you just pointed out, can, can leave you at or near death and then led out and mocked relentlessly, he is still able to be in complete control of himself, of his emotions, and speak very bluntly to Pilate about the authority that he thinks he has and where that authority may have come from. And so it's really remarkable to see, even after these things have occurred, Jesus just emulates peace in himself. And it is remarkable when you think about what he's been put through to still be in that level of control. Yeah, I mean, when you think about Jesus in the crucifixion that you get here in John chapter 19, it, it is it is Jesus in contrast with everyone else. I mean, with everyone else. You have the Jews who are completely consumed with themselves, thinking that Jesus is, is taking power, religious power, away from them. You have Pilate, who is completely consumed with himself, uh, in every ways, in a lot of ways, you have the apostles who are consumed with themselves. They've they've run away. Uh, Peter has denied even knowing who Jesus is, and, and but yet every time you see Jesus, who you're right is in complete control of himself, he's thinking of others every single time. So the, I mean, the crucifixion itself is all about others. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what the whole New Testament is, right? And so Jesus is aware of that. He's aware that this is for others. But even Jesus on the cross mm-hmm. was, was about others. Uh, you know, from you know the statements of his forgiveness for those that are putting him up there, which John doesn't give us, but the one conversation that John does provide 
is the conversation he has about his mother. He's mm-hmm. thinking about her and her, you know, her well-being, you know, moving forward. And, and ultimately, his statement in verse 30 of being, it is finished, that now everything that he has come to do has come to a close. And so you have this incredible contrast between Jesus and everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, and now, you know, when we move through the pages of the New Testament— and as Christians, we're called upon to emulate Jesus. This is the Jesus that we are to emulate, that regardless of circumstance, regardless of circumstance, it is others. It is others always. Regardless of circumstance, it is God. It is his glory. And those things we read about and talked about in John 17 is completely on the mind of Jesus. And it's not just talk here. He has been beaten and humiliated. He, uh, he's been told to carry his own cross, which we know he wasn't able to do, and now mm-hmm. ultimately been put on the cross. And in the face of all of that, he is others. He is the Father, and that's what he is completely about. And it's just so very different from everybody else. It is. You know, we, we talked a little bit of, when we got into chapter 17, the, the first couple of verses there of chapter 17, when Jesus is praying, there, there is... Uh, a little bit of a celebratory note to what he has to say as he talks to God about accomplishing the work that he had been sent to do. And there is even, remarkably, there's a hint of that on the cross itself as Jesus, in excruciating pain, near death, has to be, as you mentioned, he hasn't slept in days how anybody could even think in any way clearly in this moment, I, it, it's almost beyond reason. And yet Jesus is still able to recognize it's finished. And, and it, it's only in John that we're given that phrase from Jesus being uttered on the cross. But I think it's so important because it connects with what Jesus has said on multiple occasions throughout his ministry. Going all the way back to chapter 2, when it wasn't yet his time, the hour has not come all the way to chapter 17, the hour has come, the work has been accomplished, it's finished. And you get this finality from Jesus on the cross, even in this moment, as he's just minutes from death, he is still able to recognize that everything that he was sent to earth to do has been accomplished. And he his mission here on earth is finished. And, and as, as sad and as gut-wrenching as the cross scene is, these words from Jesus are nothing but victory. This is not him surrendering. This is him in victory in this moment. And it's, it just, it's remarkable to think about how no one else around probably fully recognized that, but us, you know, 2,000 years later, being able to read the entirety of this story in the entirety of the way that John brings us to this point, we're able to look at this and say, this may have been his last words, but these were words of victory, and he's putting a bow on everything that he came to earth to do. Yeah, what I love about John and his his story that he's giving us here uh, about Jesus and no doubt the victory that has been secured, but the impact that Jesus has had is immediate. And I and I, I can't help but to see John really giving us that, you know, after this, you know, it is finished, and you know, he he has to, you know, uh, they 
they want to break the legs of the ones because it, it's, in, again, intended for you to be up there a long time. And uh, Jesus has already, has already passed away. And, and then, you know, in his burial, John tells us of immediate impact of Jesus already. And so two individuals are made mention of, you know, with his burial in verse 33, Joseph of Arimathea, he, he being a, a disciple of Jesus, John tells us, but secretly steps out of the shadows here. He steps out of the shadows completely. And who is with him? Verse 39, Nicodemus, who John has already given us his story way back in John mm-hmm. chapter 3 when Nicodemus comes to Jesus, you know, at night and has a conversation. Well, here, guess what? Nicodemus is stepping out in the day. Mm-hmm. And now you see this immediate impact that Jesus is having. And it's just a remarkable thing where John gives us these two men who immediately. Now they're stepping out of the shadows. And, and in essence, that's what then the book of Acts really becomes about, is people stepping up because of Jesus and, and being a light. And, and that's what you see here. And it's just, it's a beautiful end to what a lot of people think is a really sad story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, it is a story of victory. I mean, it's the best word that can be used. It is a sad uh, reality that it took place. But it is a story of victory. It is violent in how it went down, and it was remarkable that he was able to keep his composure. But it it was love, and it is victory. And it was for Joseph of Arimathea. It was for Nicodemus. Mm -hmm. uh, And it was for his apostles, who he has spent so much time with, and and ultimately is for each and every one of us. I think that's a great way to to summarize and and wrap up this this series, because everything we've been talking about over the past several months— has been obviously directed to his apostles, directed to those nearby. But to your point, all of this was done for us. All of this is done for every person that's ever walked this earth. And it's a beautiful story, and it, it's a wonderful, uh, it's a wonderful period of time to think about, to reflect upon. And if again, if if you're just listening to the podcast for the first time. Go back and read. Start in John chapter 13 and just read straight through chapter 19. You can finish up John if you want to. It wouldn't take you that long. You could probably read all of that in a half hour or so. And it really is just uh, an amazing thing to witness as we get this front row seat to the last several hours of Jesus' life on earth um, prior to being crucified and the impact that it had on those around him. It's its really remarkable, and hopefully it's been impactful to you as well if you've been able to join us. Um, we want to thank you for that. Uh, the podcast will continue on. We're just stopping this series here, so there will continue to be episodes. So keep uh, following along for future episodes. We'll give you more details about that in the days to come. But we want to thank you all for joining us uh, over the past few months through this study. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.